Hello and welcome to First Things First from Mercado. Every month, Mercado CEO Rob Garrison explores the future of the supply chain and the impact of the first mile for thousands of importers around the world. Catch up and listen to the series on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoy this next episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second edition of First Things First, coming at you live with my wife from Belize. And yes, we're definitely blessed to be here. Um, I would definitely encourage if you're going to take a vacation, uh, pick somebody a place like Belize, not only because it's beautiful, but they rely a lot on tourism dollars. And so uh, they've been really struck hard by the pandemic the last couple of years. So it's kind of nice that we're blessed enough to be able to uh, support the local tourism industry. So just a reminder, um, the goal of the First Things First podcast is to introduce you to thought leaders across industry, across media, and certainly venture. And so last month's guest was Eddie Hertzman from Sourcing Journal. So if you didn't get a chance to, to listen to that, please take a listen. Eddie is incredibly plugged into all things supply chain, given his role. And it particularly talked about some of the innovations that are happening in the first mile of the supply chain. And if you don't get a chance to check out the podcast, some of the companies that he mentioned were Zara, Z-A-R-A, Sheen, S-H-E-I-N, as well as my favorite, Public Habit. And so it's kind of interesting to see how they're leveraging the first mile to change their uh, supply chain. Today's guest is Dave Anderson. And so Dave is the managing partner of Supply Chain Ventures. Dave is also considered by most the OG of the supply chain venture industry. Been at it a long time. And I think you really enjoy listening and learning from Dave. He's phenomenal. And I'm excited to have him here. Uh, Before we bring in Dave, I want to share a few headlines in a segment that I call the uh, Fastest Five. And before I do that, just a quick reminder that we support the Let's Talk Supply Chain Diversity Pledge. And so if we see your name on there, we're going to pick a name randomly and then we'll donate on your behalf to that diversity pledge. And happy to announce last week's winner, which was Carrie Dittman. So shout out to Carrie. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, Today's topic is logistics as a service. And I, I, in my version of the truth, it was first introduced by Amazon. And they had a simple notion. Uh, Jeff Bezos said, I'm going to be customer obsessed. And what he meant by that was, Let's make sure that we make it as easy as possible and as delightful as possible for our customers to buy our product, and then they'll buy more. And obviously, it's worked. They are now a behemoth, uh, specifically to logistics. They patented something called one-click ordering. And the notion then, and now it's common, it's on every website because their their patent uh, expired, but the notion was simply that if I can store your payment information and your shipping information, I'm going to make it much easier for you to purchase your products. And so that was the big notion. And and that's exactly what happened. It just became so simple. You kind of thought, why not? You'd have to re-enter any data. You'd have to go to a store. And so that's kind of how Amazon grew. I want to uh, give you a couple other examples. So first of all, a shout out out to Karen Robes Meeks of JOC. Karen wrote a great article about uh, Wayfair. And Wayfair, for those of you who don't know, is, is kind of a, a online darling and has been for some time. They mostly sell furniture, but also all things home furnishings. And here's a quote from their CEO, Naraj Shah. Naraj said, if you don't control logistics, you don't control customer service. And I couldn't agree with him more. Now, what I found interesting about this article is Wayfair has really taken that to an extreme. They've actually created an in-house forwarding service, which I've never heard of before. And the name of that in-house forwarding service is called Castlegate. 
And so the idea with Castlegate is that uh, Castlegate will know, obviously, Wayfair better than anybody else. But not only will Castlegate support Wayfair, they'll also support their 20,000 suppliers. So collectively, they can negotiate better. They can get better service. They can use more diverse carriers. They can do lots and lots of things because they've actually built an in-house forwarder. So I thought that was super interesting and certainly one way to tackle in-house logistics. Another example, a shout out to Lydia of Wall Street Journal. She writes about how Target is using their entire network to basically do fulfillment online. And so when I say entire network, they've got about 45 million square feet of distribution space. And so they're reconfiguring that network with specific uh, fulfillment centers. They're turning their stores into fulfillment centers. All of those DCs will be able to do fulfillment. And so the basic idea is that when you and I order something online from Target, it'll quickly search all of that 45 million square feet, find the best place to fulfill from, and all of those centers will be able to fill directly. So they expect to invest somewhere between four to $5 billion a year on that initiative for the next five years. Importing today is complex. Supply chain companies are experiencing a massive disconnect between how they sell their products and how they buy them. Mercado's cloud-based platform helps leading importers to connect with the people who make and move their products across the first mile so they can focus on what they do best, delivering best-in-class service for their customers. Start your journey toward a brighter future and find out how you can bring order to your imports at MercadoLabs.com. Now I'd like to welcome Dave Anderson. Hey, Rob. Thanks for being here, Dave. Um, Dave, I thought we would start. Uh, I've done a lot of research on you, and you've got a pretty fascinating background. And so I was hoping that you could maybe share with the listeners on the podcast uh, two things. One is your background, and then two is how did you get started in doing supply chain investments? Uh, sure. Background is... Uh is uh, 50 years, more than 50 years in the supply chain business, which is uh, a long time and, and does date me here, doesn't it? Makes me <laughs> an OG, which I thought when you first said I was going to be an OG, I thought it was old guy. So, <laughs> Original uh, gangster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I spent 35 years as a uh, global IT, supply chain, strategy consultant, uh, retired from Accenture 2001, and um, <clears throat> has been, uh, uh, since then, uh, and, and about six months after it, my wife asked me, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? I know you're still pretty young, and that, that was close 20 plus years ago now. And I said, well, I'm going to be a venture capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> years later and uh, i did i did develop a good network in the vc community when i was at accenture made a made some good investments th there with our uh, we were we had a fund uh, a partner fund called accenture technology ventures and uh, made some money for my partners uh, as well and and said gee i'm pretty good at this and then i said i'm going to do this when i in my next iteration in life and so you know here we are, um, many uh, uh, many years later, and uh, and uh, been chastened in many uh, cases by <laughs> going to be brilliant and didn't, and uh, also done pretty well uh, in uh, in in a lot of other of our uh, our investments. 
Well, let's talk about that. Maybe uh, just to play off that last comment, maybe talk about one of your biggest successes. I know I can think of one for sure, but you probably had lots of them. And then maybe think about something that didn't go so well and maybe some insight as to why you think that investment didn't turn out as planned. Sure. Um, well, um, you know, I think it's it's hard to pick a, 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 a huge winner. I mean, we one of our first winners was Kiva Robotics, which sold for seven hundred million to Amazon wow. you know, wow. years ago. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, that we were very early stage in there with uh, with Bain Capital. And that went that obviously went very well. Um, and then a more typical one, um, which does reflect on how we operate today. We're more of a hybrid fund. We do early and late stage deals. So the um, Llamasoft, which we were very early investors in, uh, Don Hicks' company, and um, you know, about f- six years ago, um, pri- private equity guys approached us, TPG, and said, "Hey, you wanna? What are you gonna do with that thing? It's like it's almost a hundred million in revenue and sitting in your portfolio." Aren't you going to let it go one of these days, Dave? And I said, "Well, make me an offer." And <laughs> so we stayed in. We we left our money in, and which we do when private equity does buy our companies. And uh, we continue to work on M and A and stuff like that with the company and hiring and what have you. And so uh, that sold um, <clears throat> that sold a few uh, months ago. Well, actually, now over a year ago. Um, that sold to Coupa Software, and uh, for um, many, many billions. Uh, <laughs> <million>, so <laughs> that, that's with a B. Yeah, that was a real, real big success, and uh, um, and so. But you know, we've had our failures as well. One, one I'll talk about is a company that we actually took over. Myself, my partner, and of all people, Don Hicks, who was the founder of Llamasoft. Huh. Um, we were all investors in a company that um, was called Supply AI, and it was doing returns legit logistics management for retailers. Um, we liked it a lot, um, and and because you know you had this proliferation of retailers, uh, you know, a lot of your customers, I might add, Rob, <laughs> that uh, you know were you know were buying stuff from uh, China, uh, and and then uh, you know giving it getting it to the customer and then the customer didn't like it and they were saying i don't want this thing and you know call up the retailer and say what are you going to do for me what are you going to do how are you going to and the retailers often had no ability to uh you know really manage returns other than to say i'll send you a shipping label which of course you lose the um you know you lose the revenue uh from from the company so um the Let's just say there was a problem with the founder. I won't go into detail. <laughs> um, uh, who who now is not welcome back in the United States, and uh, and the other VCs who were invested in it didn't want. They wanted to shut the company down, and we said we, we like that company, and so now now we we own it and uh, interesting investing in it for the last year, and it's doing extremely well. Uh, I won't say it's because of us; it's because of the good CEO <laughs> we hired. Uh, but that that that's a that's a success story out of a out of a big big failure. Rescued from the ashes. 
Yeah, right. Others well, it says a lot about your commitment, Dave, all the way yeah. through. You stay with it, and, and in fact, you bought the company. So um, Others we find a good home for, Rob. We just say we found <laughs> a good home. Um, yeah, acquired by so-and-so. It doesn't say you gave it away, but yeah. That's a polite way to say it. I like that. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, Dave, so I, I would, just to your point, we refer to you as the OG. What are the biggest changes you've seen in the 20 years that you've been investing in supply chain? You know, Particularly, you yeah. can maybe talk about the last four years. But over the course of 20 years, what are you seeing that's different now than was different when you started or that was in existence when you started? Oh, uh, sure. Well, I think this is something everybody's experiencing, and I call it the the demise of linear linear supply chains. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we, I think everybody grew up in the era, and unless you were born a few years ago, grown up in the era of when you know, a um, supplier sent pro sent uh, materials to a manufacturer. The manufacturer made it, put it in its warehouse, then shipped it to maybe a retailer who then shipped it to a store in which a consumer came in and bought the product. Now, amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the way, the way this supply chains existed for centuries. Yeah. And, uh, you know, over the last uh, five five or six years, the, the whole world of omni-channel has really, um, you know, blown up that model. And if you, I don't care whether you're a manufacturer, a supplier, a retailer, a store, you know, you're, you're all faced with omni-channel challenges because, you know, what, what we've moved into is a world of what I call ship anything from anywhere. Right. And, yeah. and it's like, okay, um, Instead of instead of getting that product, um, just, just like uh, Mercado, instead of getting that product from a store, I go online and I had this retailer selling it, and that retailer ships it to me from some far off place, right? Sure, like, it's cool, right? Great, right? First mile logistics, you know, and all, and plus the last mile logistics. Uh, but Omnichannel has um, really created havoc. In, in you know supply chain execution and planning because most of the tools that well things I screwed in and when I was at Accenture iTunes and logistics SAP <laughs> you know they really can't handle omni-channel distribution very well they were all designed for the linear the linear supply chain model so that that's become I think the um, the, the big challenge we have today which turns out to be a bonanza for investors like myself <laughs> who can, you know, invest in companies that are starting to, to look at how, how do I, how do I better do omni-channel uh, perhaps with preserving the existing legacy systems, because those systems of record are really important to the CFO and the company saying, I, sure. I need no inventory, I need no more freight costs. And I don't want to rip all that stuff out. Um, but I, but my logistics guys are saying, I've got, you know, I've got 10 more channels to manage. And how do I, how do I decide replenishment strategies and inventory strategies uh, in those channels, which is actually the course, actually the class I'm teaching at MIT on, on Friday <laughs> is exactly <laughs> on that subject uh, is, is multi-channel uh, uh, replenishment inventory strategies. So, so yeah, we're we're moving into a new world here. It's not getting any simpler, and and uh, and anybody coming into the supply chain at this point in their lives 
definitely going to uh, face those challenges. Which leaves me, I've got two more questions. I'm going to ask the first one first. You talked about the supply chain used to be linear and now it's omnichannel. How about investing? Do you think that the supply chain investment community is so hot right now because of the omnichannel? Or do you think there's another reason that supply chain investing is no longer linear? It's also going up quickly. <laughs> what, yes, what do you think uh, is contributing to the maybe irrational, possibly irrational exuberance in supply chain? Ah, uh, well, yeah. I I I lived through the I lived through the one in two thousand where all those market. Oh, oh don't don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, I, I think I think today, you know, what you're what you're starting to see is is the is the disruption getting funded, and and you know you have sort of these two, you know these two very large groups. You have the tigers of the world and the soft banks and the vistas that have multi billion dollar funds that, you know, that will, will pick certain winners and put. I pick on Flexport, you know, which has got two billion invested in it digital yeah. broker, um, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, that's great. I mean, SoftBank put a billion in and Andreessen Horowitz just put another billion in. And, and you know, that's that's one that's one level of investing in this space. And there's, there's more and more of those starting to appear. You know, GoPuff, let's just pick on a, another yeah, crazy. delivery guy, right? They, uh, uh, they, they, I think the revenues two or three million billion a year and their their EBITDA is minus five hundred million. <laughs> yeah, real great model there, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, uh, and but then there's guys like us who are smaller, you know, we're we're more the finders and minders in the world. Mm. You know, I understand we do that. we do both places now, you know, we do and and you know first mile um, you know came uh, came into our, we, we do a lot of e-commerce logistics. And then you showed up, Rob, and we said, damn, no one's paying attention to this first model. <laughs> and, and, you know, getting it out of foreign countries and getting it through customs and brokerage and, and Trent and carriers to move it. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff to manage. And, and uh, so, you know, that's an example, I think, uh, for, you know, how we look at the early stages, we're looking for, we're looking for areas that haven't been touched historically and but are starting to emerge and, and you know may have a lot of logistics issues that no technology to really deal with them yet. Dave, that's a great segue. Sarah Barnes Humphrey just asked a question about are you seeing a particular kind of tech that's getting more um, excitement from VCs? So you talked about maybe untapped spaces that need to be disrupted. In addition to that, is a particular type of technology. You mentioned robotics earlier in your conversation and I would imagine AI is something you guys look at and, and uh, machine learning and the whole thing. What, what, what kind of technology gets you excited, Dave, in this space? Well, you know, we're looking for disruptors in spaces today that are like visibility. And, you know, I mean, great. I mean, P44, four kites, great companies. We were invested yeah. in MacroPoint, which we sold to Descartes. Uh, but we also think that the new world of, of um Visibility is not going to be, you know, accumulating a lot of data from the carrier and shipper world and, and you know, creating a visibility platform. It's going to be sensors. And so we're, we're in, we're, we've done a couple of sensor investments uh, recently, which we think are, uh, are a big time and important. Um, I'll give a plug for one, TIVE, T-I-V-E. Yeah, they're doing great. 
Yeah, they're doing really well. They just uh, they just raised an awful lot of money. <laughs> I can't, can't tell you the number yet, but anyway, um, uh, and and we're we're actually playing a bit in blockchain. Uh, we we do think that if you're going to get in the risk resilience sustainability space, you've got to have a you've got to have an underlying technology that's going to allow you to you know trace back that supplier you know to the farm or wherever. Um, the palm no plantation, and so that becomes another uh, another area that we're we're uh, hot on. Um, a third is uh, autonomous vehicles. We have investment in in a company that's doing um, uh, yard management, you know, autonomous yard management, mm. vehicles and also over the road, uh, which we think is going to be critical to dealing with driver shortages and things of that nature going forward and making life happier for a driver who doesn't have to, you know, go through 18 gears every time he wants to do something. <laughs> yeah, I think autonomy and electrification, I agree that those are two, yeah. two hot areas. Well, Dave, unfortunately, I could talk to you all day, all week, uh, but our time here has come to an end. That went to, uh, actually, we've got a few more minutes. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my clock wrong. I have four more minutes. Okay, so I have one more important question for you, Dave, before we depart. When you think about the next generation of people coming into supply chain and you were talking to somebody who was maybe just out of college or a young person looking to enter the industry, what advice would you give them? You know, I, I we're dealing with this with one of my partner's sons right now who, who majored in supply chain and, and he really wanted to join supply chain ventures. <laughs> he was like, I want to be a VC. Yeah. And we said to him, um, you know, what? You really, really need to go out um, and uh, um, uh, get some experience, right? You need some experience. I, I, I ne never had a lot of operational experience. Mine was in IT and strategy. But my partner, Dan, ran big warehousing and, and fleet operations for large companies. And if you, you know, if you, if you want to be in you know, it's it's. I think it's important to go to get bottom line experience in transportation and warehousing. If you want to be anything else in supply chain, I don't care whether you want to be a chief supply chain officer someday. You want to be an investor. You want to found your own supply chain startup. Please, please, you know, spend a couple of years in like the Pepsi organization running Fritos, uh, you know, Southwest. Uh, facilities and doing, yeah. doing you know, convenient C-store level replenishment stuff, which is really pretty exotic things to do. And, and uh, you know, do something like that where you get, you get you get a real feel of what it's like to work with real people in that environment so that when you want to be an investor or a, a founder, you understand that it isn't all about software, you know, <laughs> it isn't all about raising money. Uh, you know, a lot of it's about um, uh, your your knowledge of the space and being able to do it. And truthfully, I get a lot of young people that come to me, you know, with startup ideas, especially in digital freight networks. And they come, and they say, Dave, we, you know, we're going to revolutionize freight brokerage. And, you know, and I say, do you ever work in the business? <laughs> say, how, you know how many, tell me how many transactions uh, how many how many steps there are in a typical freight transaction? They have no idea. Yeah. I say, well, I'm just going to throw a number out. I say probably minimum eighteen. You know, from the from when you tender the 
freight to when you 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 know pay the carrier. I mean, that's there's right. 18 steps. And if you don't understand all that, how, how are you going to build a network, you know, a platform to digitize it? Oh, well, we know all about technology. Well, congratulations. You know, and and, uh, you know, even I'll even even go back to Flexport and say, um, if you look carefully, Flexport still has a lot of people in the back room with a phone on each year. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, well said. And uh Dave, thanks for that. I think that's great advice. I, it's interesting for me to see the supply chain having gone from something nobody even knew existed to suddenly becoming a hot space that people actually want to enter into the profession. So I loved your approach. Learn it first and then maybe see if you can innovate it. So last question, Dave, before we were um, live here, uh, you talked a little bit about the fact that there's there's clearly some dark clouds uh, coming ahead. And I just didn't know if you want to touch on that at the end uh, a little bit here in terms of what you're sort of forecasting, given all the events in the world. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this in my last segment, but just love to get your perspective, Dave, on, on how you think people should respond right now, given the fact that there, there may be some dark clouds on the horizon. Right. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> us all here. Uh, well, I, I have to teach another class at MIT after this podcast and uh, it's it's it originally was on supply chain financing and I got a call from the professor and said the kids all want to talk about you know how bad Ukraine and the invasion of Ukraine uh, is relative to COVID for supply chains and you know could you spend some time on you know on that as part of what you're going to do today yeah and uh, and you know it's uh, I, I haven't. Uh, we're all still. We all still have the shovels out there digging into supply chains to see you know, what the impacts are going to be. But you know, you start to talk about raw materials like lithium and uh, and uh, purified neon gas, right? And yeah. and palladium uh, all come out of you. You know, the the leading the leading producers of those uh, are. Um, uh, Ukraine and Russia, and uh, you know it's and and because purified neon gas and palladium are used extensively in in um, you know semiconductors, so you know you, the impacts we saw in COVID. Um, one of my one of my stories today is going to be they may be chump change compared to what this next uh, ne these next impacts are going to be on on global supply chains. It's going to things we saw in COVID. Are going to be accelerated even more with more oh. shortages, and, <laughs> and I think we're going to have a real recession as opposed to one we created ourselves as a result of a lot of this. So uh, I'm 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 not I'm not hopeful, but okay. I'm also I'm also trying to uh, I'm trying to keep a positive attitude and and uh, uh, you know donate donate money to uh, you know Ukrainian relief to help yes. all those millions of refugees. Please, everybody. And Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray to a quick end to this conflict uh, on that note. So Dave, thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate you and every, all that you do and hope the audience really enjoyed getting to listen to you as well. And good luck with your students at MIT. Sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Cheers, guys. In a world where new content is created every second, it can be tricky to find what you're looking for. The Lab is a resource platform designed by importers for importers, packed full of content to help you learn and grow your supply chain operations. 
Access articles, videos, and webinars on demand and listen to the latest episodes from the hottest supply chain podcasts around. Start your journey at mercadolabs.com forward slash the lab. Okay, so I'm going to conclude this session here. I hope, hopefully everybody enjoyed talking to Dave as much as I do. He, uh, Dave is an investor in my company and he's become a good friend and I, I've always learned a lot from Dave. Hopefully you did as well. So I just want to give my closing thoughts kind of in that same vein as what uh, Dave was talking about. So the last four years have been extremely tumultuous and that's to say the least. And so, you know, it's, as Dave mentioned, we've had trade wars, we've had tariffs, we've had a pandemic and, um, now, you know, when we just think we're recovering from that, there's a whole bunch of other bumps down the road. So unfortunately, it doesn't appear that the shocks are ending anytime soon. So my word of the day in closing is resiliency. And the way I describe resiliency in supply chain terms, very simply, is taking stock of anything that's external that could impact your supply chain, like raw materials, like price increases, and taking the steps to at least ensure there's a plan B or that you have something in the backup. And I'm going to give you a few examples here in closing. So let's just say, for example, what would you do if your ocean carrier or your forwarder, if their system shut down, you have any visibility to the goods that were being transported, what would you do? So I'm going to give you an example. Shout out to the stack for their in-depth analysis of the impact of a cyber attack that just happened two weeks ago to a freight forwarder called Expeditors. It's a $16.5 billion company. And literally when that cyber attack hit for eight days, their thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of customers were lights out for that entire period of time. And even to this day, I think we're now on day 14, they're still suffering. Just an example of the type of things that are happening with regularity and could get even worse that Dave was mentioning that you just got to think about and try to plan for to the extent you can. Um, also want to give a shout out to Paul Page. Paul Page authors something called the Logistics Report for the Wall Street Journal. And he publishes it once a week. And it's, in my opinion, a must read. I read it every week without fail. I think he's an excellent writer. And he gives you some really deep insights into all the different world events. So oil and wheat and everything in between. So what happens if we can't get wheat? Food prices go up. Wheat's central to everything we do. And so um, that's a key one. And then also think about if this thing does go into uh, extended time, this, this crisis, we could be entering into, and shout out to Craig Fuller of Freightways, we could be into entering into a new Cold War, which means East gets divided from West. And what does that do to your supply chain? So I'm not saying any of this to bum anybody out, certainly, just as supply chain professionals, it's our job to think about things that could go wrong and plan for them as best we can and put plans in place as best we can to deal with those sort of eventualities. And they are, they are definitely eventualities. These aren't things that we're making up. These are things that are real and here today. So um, I'll, I'll end it on that note. As always, I want to say thank you very much for participating. Uh, if you want to drop me a line, I'm at Rob Garrison at MercadoLabs.com. Our website is MercadoLabs.com. And I also want to end by wishing everybody on this audience a happy International Women's Day. Today is International Women's Day, for those who don't know. And back to our diversity pledge, uh, if you could join me, we'll certainly contribute, as I mentioned at the top of the show. But if you could please uh, join me in contributing to that pledge, I think it's an excellent initiative by Let's Talk Supply Chain to try to make this industry much more diverse. All right. So I hope everybody has a great week. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next month on First Things First. 
First Things First was produced by Mercado Labs, helping importers buy like they sell. The show was hosted by Mercado CEO Rob Garrison and created in partnership with Let's Talk Supply Chain. Voiceover by Courtney Shane. Thank you.